Oh, sounds exciting, doesn't it? What an exciting church, eh? <clears throat> By the way, if you've got a frog in your throat, don't worry. The frog turned into prince, they said. <clears throat> hey, it's all good, eh? Hey, who enjoyed Trent's testimony last week? Wasn't that fantastic? Whoa. Isn't our God great? What he can do with even the darkest life on the planet. Those of us, well, all of us who are saved here this morning can just declare what God has done for us in our lives. What a miracle working God. What a God that transforms us and blesses us. Wow. How many know that we've um, been doing the series the last month uh, called Money Matters? Yeah. How many people here know that money does matter? Yeah. It absolutely does. And some, sometimes it matters more to you than you even realize it does. Wow. Well, we've, um, we've preached on um, generosity. Ruth did that one. Breaking the spirit of money. Being a good steward. Steve Bryant came up and did that from City Impact. Um, not City Impact. Church Unlimited. It takes a heart transplant. We were over in Australia when that one was preached. That was Aaron and Dave. That sounded pretty exciting. I listened to that one. Hallelujah. Today, we've got need, greed, or seed. Wow. Awesome. There was a sign outside a um, second-hand shop. And it said, we exchange anything. Bicycles, washing machines, dishwashers, clothes dryers, you name it, etc., and then it said underneath, it said, why not bring your wife along and get a wonderful bargain? <laughs> and you know, <sighs> come on, Chloe, don't look so serious. It's only a joke. Come on, lighten up. Laughter's the best medicine, isn't it? Laughter's the best medicine. Where does it say that in the Bible? Is it prop? No, it's in the Reader's Digest. That's right. It's not even in the Bible, is it? It says, but it says in the Bible, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Praise God. So when it comes to money, what are we motivated by? What are we motivated by? You know, in church, in church, like, some people are motivated by fellowship. Yeah. They like to come along, have a bit of fellowship, mix some friends. That's, it. That's really good. Church is a good place to get contacts, to make friends, to have some fellowship, to get to know people. We're part of a church community. We're part of an even greater community out in the community. We like to think of Excite as a church with no walls. So our church actually goes right throughout Northland, praise God, and even further afield. Praise God. Church without walls, that's what it means. We're part of the community. We love to be outward focused out there. So some people are motivated by fellowship. Okay. Some people are motivated by stewardship. They feel that this is the right thing to do. I've got to go to church regularly, and, um, you know, I've read in the Bible. And, and so that can be a motivation. But you know what? There's an even greater motivation for going to church and fellowship and stewardship. There's a motivation called sonship. Sonship. The third one. Sonship. When we come to realize that we're son of the living God, and what we get is we get it by inheritance, and our resources come to us and flow through us. No longer are we the center trying to be a good steward or looking for some friends or trying to find some fellowship, but we recognize that we're greater, we're connected to something far greater, the very heart of our dad in heaven, the very heart of God. 
So when it comes to money, what are we motivated by? We might be motivated by need. The need test comes when we trust God for our provision. When we trust in God for our provision, we're often tested. Like when we have an offering talk like we just had, and when God touches our heart and, we, and he puts on our hearts to give a large bit of money, what goes through our minds? What are our immediate thoughts? Is it, ooh, I wonder if I should give that much. I know he's put it on my heart to give this amount, but if I give that, will I have enough? What about next week? I really need to put some aside. Suddenly, when we're thinking that way, what's controlling us is our need. Interesting, isn't it? It happens to me sometimes, you know? We have to reflect on that. What are we controlled by? You know, there's thoughts like, what if I lose my job? You know, what if uh, the car breaks down and I've got to get it repaired or get a new car? Or am I going to have enough money? You know, the Lord's put on my heart to give this large amount of money and I just don't know if it's the right thing to do. What if? So... The question is this morning, are we motivated by our need? Because if we're looking towards money, if we're motivated by our need and we're looking to money to supply our need, that is a form of idolatry. Any, idolatry is anything, that would, anything else that would take the place of God. God is our provider. Philippians 4.19, my God shall, say shall. That's what it says, it's his word. It'd be different if you're listening to a politician or maybe man, any man. But when it comes to God's word, we can trust it. My God shall supply all your need according to the hundred dollars he's got in heaven. No, according to his riches and glory. According to the whole, whole lot, the whole lot, all the resources available, according to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. Don't forget that bit, in Christ, sonship. Don't try and stand outside of Christ. God wants you to abide in him. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, we always repeat this one, but it's a great scripture. I know Ruth loves it too. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Say, get wealth. Yeah. It's not a dirty word. Money's not a dirty word. It's what we're controlled by inside. God gives the power to get wealth. Say, power. Yeah. He can give you the power. Power to get wealth. He can give you more than enough for your needs. And it says in the New Testament to work with your own hands for your own needs, but also that you might have to give to others. God will bless your and give you an abundance. We've been hearing that. We believe it. Money matters, especially in this Western world more than ever. Go back a couple hundred years, it mattered. Your veggie garden probably mattered more than your money did. You know, you might go up to the store once a month to get a sack of flour, but you had to plant your vegetables. But we don't know a whole lot about that. We know about supermarkets today. We go along with our money to the supermarkets, and we've got to have money. It matters. In this Western world. So, yeah, it's great to talk about money. Even a, a, a drug addict. 
Or an alcoholic is motivated by their need. They've got to go and get their drugs. They need the drugs. What I'm saying to you is don't let your need motivate you. Have faith in God to be your provider. We've been tested in this even in the recent months, in our business even. You know, at the, at the strike, five minutes to midnight, God's coming. The day before we've needed it. And he's coming right at the last minute. But we've had to learn to look, not to ourselves, but look to God who provides all our needs according to his riches and glory. Through Jesus Christ. So he's true to his promise. He's never let us down yet. And we trust in him. So that's one thing you can be motivated by. What about uh, the second one? What about greed? <clears throat> I was reading this story about this woman that was very rich. She owned a string of uh, hotels. She managed the Empire State Building. She was a billionaire. Yet in September 1989, Leona Helmsley was convicted of 33 counts of tax evasion for which she spent time in prison. That's weird, isn't it? Why would you, when you're a billionaire, do stuff like that? It goes on. According to Time magazine, she emerged as a penny-pinching tyrant who tried to outdo just about everybody. No amount of money was too small to fight over. Whoa. After the sudden death of her only son, only son, get it, at age of 40 in 1982, this is a true story, she sued and won the lion's share of his estate, 149000 Not a lot when you've got a billion dollars. Leaving his four children with $432 each and his widow with 2171 What is your problem? <laughs> that is crazy. What are you about? What a wasted life. What a waste of money. What, what she could have done with those resources. Wow. Do you know, this sort of uh, greed motivation wasn't, isn't new. Jesus spoke about it in uh, Luke. If we look at Luke uh, 12, verse 16 to 21, it says here, Then he spoke... A parable to them, this is Jesus speaking to the people, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? What shall I, I, that big word I. It's not the I in oil, new identity in Christ. No, he's talking about the old fella. He's talking about the self-centered fella. What shall I do? Since there's no room to store my crops, so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He's trusting in himself, you see, in the work of his own hands. He's got it all sorted. He's got his retirement package sorted. He's going to lay it all up. And he's going to enjoy it. But what did God say? But God said to him, fool. He had a lot of money, but he was a fool. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. 
And whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And there's been many people like that. I've known people that have been here, lived locally in the Northland, well off, talked about how much they were worth and how much they owned, and are now gone into eternity, never had a chance to spend it. They were quite miserish with the money to a large degree, and uh, they've never had opportunity to spend it. And it happens, and it's sad. I liked Aaron's um, illustration with a rope. Sowing into eternity rather than in the short period of our lives. But, you know, when we're faithful to God and we're not governed by need and we're not governed and motivated by greed, God can trust us with unlimited resources to give out to others. That doesn't mean to say God's miserly because he's not. He's a giver. He's not going to say, Paul, I'm going to give you this, but make sure you never, ever spend anything on yourself or your wife or your kids. Judge, I want you to give it all away. Well, he's, he doesn't really do that either. I haven't found him to do that. He is a God of abundance, and he looks on the heart, and he wants what we have to flow out to others. That includes our wife first and foremost, and then others. Amen. Don't um, take that too literally. I'll be known to put my foot in it, and that's one of those times in church when I've really put my foot in it. I've really put my foot in it. No, I haven't. She's good. She's good. Okay, so if you read in verse 10 there, what does it say? <clears throat> oh, sorry, we're on, to, sorry, no, I've jumped down. So the greed test comes when we uh, move beyond just our daily provision and receive abundance. When we've got abundance, then we're tested. Not we're, we're tested by need, yep, but we're tested even when we've got abundance. There's a test there as well. There's a test for us. Do I, do I keep the money? all the money? Do I pay it off my mortgage? Do I spend it and go and get a flash car? Do I buy a new set of golf clubs? You know, God's not, he's not against us for that, but just be wise. That's what I want to say. Especially young people. Don't spend all your money on yourself. You know, don't be like, I will go and get myself a new golf clubs, you know, before you've actually paid it down on the mortgage. Think about the rest of your family, especially if you're married. But if you're single here today, we're going to go on to the next point, which is sowing. You have a great opportunity at your young age, before you're married, before you've got your little children and then teenagers to provide for, to actually start sowing. Yes, you can sow into the offering, and that's good. We've talked a lot about that. But you can also sow into the bank and get a return on it. In the old days, we used to take the vegetable seeds and sow them in the garden, and you get a return on it. You didn't go back four or five months later and just dig up the same one, one potato. It, wasn't, it had multiplied. You go to the bank, you, get, you can get a return on it. Albeit not a big lot these days. The interest rates have gone right down. But you can put it away. You can start saving, get a deposit for a house. You're, you're at a time in your life where you need to be wise and use your money wisely. The whole world around us is geared to tell us and all the uh, media and everything and TV internet, everything. It's just selling. You know, buy a lounge suite, pay later. You've got an opportunity to sow now and reap later. Don't go the way of the world. Be wise. Be wise. So just want to, don't 
Don't be motivated by greed. God's not a miser. He's not going to hold things from you. But just be wise, you know. If you've got $1,000, you might spend a couple of hundred on yourself, get some new clothes. But you might put, you might put 500 away, saving up for a house. You might put two or $300 in the offering. Who knows? You might put $50 in the offering. I don't know. God will lead you. But give God the first fruits. Give him the best of your time. Give him the best of your finances. But sow it. It's a good place. The offering's a good place to sow it. So is the bank a good place to sow and save up as well. You need to be balanced with these things. That's all I'm trying to say. So you've got need. You've got greed. We've got plenty of time as well. And uh, we've got seed. Third thing. Now, seed is what I'm interested in. Rather than need and greed, we do have needs, and sometimes we can get greedy. We don't want to be motivated by those things, but seed. Seed is the highest use of our money. We can sow it. 2 Corinthians verse 9 and 8 to 6, uh, 6 to 8, sorry, says, But this I say, I think it's on the overhead, yep. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully, or plenty of it, will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because I have to, or I think I have to. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace, that's undeserved favor, abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now may he who supplies, verse 10, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Notice he said, he who, sows bread, uh, who supplies seed to the sower. He didn't say he supplies seed to the keeper, did he? He said he supplies it to the sower. We're probably living in the age where we don't all have veggie gardens. We don't understand. Some do, but we don't all understand that when you, the whole principle of sowing. Maybe there's some orchardists here today. Maybe there's some here that got veggie gardens. But hopefully we do understand that God gives us seed. And when it's money, money is seed also. And he wants us to sow it. He wants us to sow it. God gives us gives supplies seed to the sower. God gives you generos generously. He gives you, he gives you all the talents he gives you as well, but he gives it to you to be a sower. Not just money, everything you have. Even our children, they're like arrows. We shoot them out at the enemy. It says that in the word somewhere. Aaron could just quote that just verbatim probably. I can't quite, but they, it says somewhere, our children are like arrows. We can sow them out into the community. God entrusts us with our children, and we can bring them up in the ways of the Lord. We can model Christianity to them, and then they'll go further than we could ever go. Amen? So he provides seed to the sower. This, was, um, this story was um, found under giving, under the title giving. And uh, it had a heading saying, not willing to pay so much. It's about a husband on a business trip who decided to buy a gift to take home for his wife, like me getting one for Ruth. 
Not quite like that, because I'm not, I'm not quite like this. He, he asked the store clerk, how much does this perfume cost? The bottle costs $30, she answered. $30? For that little bottle? Maybe I do that sometimes, do I, Chloe? <laughs> I could be putting my foot in it again here. $30 for that little bottle. He exclaimed in disbelief, can you show me something cheaper? Sure, she replied, and handed him a mirror. <laughs> that was good, eh? <laughs> Just a thought, eh, Dave? <laughs> Just a thought. Oh, dear. Yeah. Just make sure my wallet's still there. So just in closing, like four things to consider about seed. One is with seed that we sow, one thing that God's got in the universe is that like begets like. In other words, every seed brings forth fruit after its own kind. You know? You might have plenty of time. You sow time, you'll have more time. I say to people, we've got 48 hours in a day. God's given us 48 hours in a day, not 24, you know? Because we sow time in the community, sow it into church, we always seem to have enough time. A lot of people think we're too busy, and they say, oh, I'll pop in and see you, but you're too busy. Well, people that spend time have time. It's, I don't know how it works, but it just works. We've got time. We've got time. So what you sow is what you reap. If you sow money, God can bless your finances. You sow kindness, God will bless you. If you sow aggression, aggression will come back at you. Yeah, if you've got an attitude and you go around the community with a real attitude, actually, you don't even need to go around the community. You just need to walk around your lounge with an attitude. <laughs> Suddenly, the kids get a bit aggressive back again and they back chat and, you know, and uh, especially if you think you're the king on the throne, you know what I mean? No, you don't. Don't have an attitude with your wife, especially if she's descended from the Vikings. Just be warned. <laughs> Like begets like. So, yeah, whatever we put out there, whatever we sow out, it comes back, and it usually comes back with interest. That's another thing. You reap after you sow, number two. You reap after you sow. Like begets like, but you reap after you sow. The world tries and tells you, go and enjoy it now, reap later. Uh, but that's the wrong way. You will reap later. You'll pay later, sorry. Pay later. But if you sow seed, you reap after you sow. Some people say, like, if I had a million dollars, I'd give, I'd have money to give to charity, I'd help out. The point is, you might have one dollar, or you might have ten dollars. What are you going to do with that now? The Bible tells us if we're faithful in the least little, He'll give you even more. He'll give you much if you're faithful in a little. What do you got now? How are you using it? Where are you sowing it? What are you doing with it? So you reap after you sow. A farmer would be foolish to stand out in his field waiting for a harvest if he had never planted a seed. Sometimes people can be like that. You know, why, why me? Why, do I always, why don't I get this? Why, don't, why does this happen to me? How come i am always got to need? Well, what are you doing with your life? You, and there's faithfulness in sowing. It actually works in every area of life. Seed is so important. The third thing is you reap more than you sow. There's increase. It brings forth 
fruit after its own kind, but you get more back. That's the beauty, beauty thing about it. God's over it all. And even though our, our small, small minds can't understand it fully, it works. We just had that amazing testimony from Elaine, and uh, it works. You, can't, you don't know how it works. That's God's job. He can sort that out. If I understood how everything works in the whole universe, I'd be God. And that's what the enemy wants us to be, God of our own destiny, God of our own lives. But we just trust in God. We walk by faith. The fourth thing is, if you're going to ask God for anything, how about requesting wisdom? Solomon asked for wisdom. Before you ask for more money and you want, 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 ask God for wisdom. I think that's one of the greatest requests we could ever have, even this morning. Ask God for the wisdom just to know how to live, how to sow, where to sow, where to go, what to do with every moment of every day. Seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, and his righteousness, and all these things shall or will be added unto you. That's Jesus said that. They will be. It's his words. We can trust him. We can trust him. And of course, I've got to put this one in there because I think if you've been coming to Excite for a while, you know I'm not a big fan of lottery. <laughs> so I've always got to have a little little bit of a poke at lottery. You know, lottery is, is a tax, they say, on people that are real bad at maths. It's a tax on people that can't count. They're bad at maths. They don't stop to think, well, how much percentage is coming back? The guy that sowed his money in the ground was bad at maths. He got back 100%, but he got no interest. Lottery's even worse than that. And then someone said, another quote, just in closing, we are going to close eventually. No, we're not. <laughs> he said, you should be more interested in the rock of ages and instead of the age of rock. And just in closing today, I want to direct you to the rock of ages. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock of ages, one of his many, many titles. And when we look away to the cross, Jesus was that man sent by God to be the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. But we see him there. I want to encourage you today that in speaking on need, greed, or seed, we can see those three things there as we look back to the three crosses. There was Jesus. God said to Abraham, in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. God planted a seed. He sent forth his son to be the savior of the world. That was God's seed. He wasn't of the same seed as Adam, but he sent him. The first man was of the earth, earthy in all his ways. The second is the Lord from heaven. That man on the middle cross is the, is the son of God. It's God manifest or revealed in flesh. But then on one side of him, there was a man who came to his senses that had a great need that day. They all did. But this one came to his senses and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned to him and said, today you shall be with me in paradise. Today. That's all he said. He just called out to the Lord. He had a need and he looked in the right direction. The other man, he was greedy. You got need and greed on each side of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a thief. So was the other one, but he saw he had a need. doesn't matter whether you're a thief, a murderer, a robber. 
whatever you are, drug addict, doesn't matter what you are. The thing is that you see your need and you look to the one that God has sown into humanity and you look to Him for life. Because He'll bring forth fruit after His own kind, like every other seed. If you're still abiding in Adam, the first daughter of man, and trying to dress, dress your life up, it's just like, it's like a, a fence that's getting old and rickety and about to fall over and is weak. And then you come along with some paint and whitewash it. Do you think that's going to help the fence make it stronger? No, it's not. It might make it look better. You can dress up the outward appearance. But God has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And just as we've been enjoying recently, that well, all the time we do, about being in Christ, God wants you to find your life this morning in His Son. He planted that seed into this world so that you would receive Him into your heart that there might be a great crop of fruit that comes from God. The second man is the Lord from heaven. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, you can do it simply in your seat here today. Romans 10 and 9, if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Look away from yourself. Open your heart. Receive Jesus as Lord of your life today. The man in all his need, he said, Lord, remember me. That's all it takes. Remember me. Open your heart. Receive him. He's a wonderful seed that will bring forth fruit after his own kind. So who are you like? I hope you're not like that man that was just trying to sort out his own destiny, laying up his own riches. Doesn't need to be money, but just riches of fame and security, finding security in this world. And then his soul's required of him. He was living in his soul. He talked about I will and all he wanted to do rather than receiving Jesus as Lord and being led of the Spirit, sonship. Praise God for that wonderful seed he sent. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I want to just encourage you today. Money does matter. This is the last week of the series. It matters what you do with your money. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You might move out of need. You might move out of greed. But I hope you actually realize that money and your life and even Christ himself is a seed. When you receive that seed into your life, you can sow your life out into the community. You can sow your life into the church. And no longer does it become about you anymore, but you seek to glorify and honor our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of praise, worthy of our adoration. Let's stand together and let's worship him this morning.